Have you ever seen anything extraordinary at church? I, I would say what we just saw was extraordinary. But something that makes you go home and say, wow, church was really good today. And, and as a pastor, I'd like to think that it was a moving time of worship, that it was a powerful sermon, that it was an intensely intimate time of communion. But often the things that keep us talking long after church is over are the, are the nervous foibles, the human flaws, the fashion faux pas, the comedy of errors that takes over when good intentions, lack of preparation, run headfirst into Murphy's Law. These are the things that make people sit at lunch and say, church was really good today. Church was really good today. Deacon Johnson's phone rang in the middle of communion. His ringtone was Nicki Minaj's Anaconda. You should have seen the horrified look on his wife's face. Church was really good today while the kids were on stage singing a song for the Christmas program. Little Tyler Bowman picked his nose and he wiped it on the shoulder of Brianna Williams' dress. Church was really good today. We were having a time of silent prayer when Mrs. Breedlove broke wind in the most audacious manner. She didn't even crack a smile. We, we busted up laughing so hard we couldn't stop. Church was really good today. Mr. Butler got done with his communion meditation and he returned to his seat, only he sat in the wrong row. And he put his arm around Mrs. Fox. Foster already had his arm around her. You should have seen the look he gave him. Church was really good today. Is that my mic making that sound? That might be the problem we were looking at earlier doing that. But what happens when Jesus shows up on Sunday? This morning we're going to look at a time in Jesus' ministry where He was teaching and the extraordinary happened. And no... Peter didn't stick his foot in his mouth again. And no, James and John, those two sons of thunder, didn't call down fire on a, on a bad crowd. But Luke tells us that when it was all over with, everyone went home, quote, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God. He says that twice. They glorified God. Whenever a Jew says something twice, that means it's important. And they were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. But let's look at this extraordinary day. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17 through verse 26. And verse 17 begins, on one of those days. And I just, I, in this story, I just love, it begins on one of those days. And it ends with, Something extraordinary happened here. You never know which one of your, on one of those days, might end up being an extraordinary day when Jesus shows up. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, 
And they went up on the roof. And they let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst, into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Actually, good question. Too bad they didn't understand the answer. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. That you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and they were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So what was so extraordinary that made these people go home saying church was really good today? Was it the big crowds? People had come from all over and and church is always better when it's a packed house. Or maybe it was just the fact that they got to see and hear Jesus. He was the hottest rabbi going. In the last chapter in Luke 4.32, it says the crowds were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. To top it all off, it was a day, Luke says in verse 17, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. How cool is that? And it all happens in a rather dramatic fashion as this man's friends had to to make a hole in the roof just to get this man before Jesus. Now that's something you don't see every week. The truth is, it was probably all of these things and more that kept people talking long after they got home. The most extraordinary thing, though, was was that a man was connected to Jesus in a way that went beyond the crowd's expectations. It went beyond even what his friends were expecting when they they cut a hole in that roof and let him down. And it even went beyond the expectations of the man himself. We want to connect people to Jesus in a way that goes beyond our wildest expectations and theirs. As we continue this series on loving like Jesus, we want to look this morning at a connecting love, a love that connects people with Jesus. Because ultimately, we are here not to connect people with church. Not to connect people with other people. It's not about connecting them with truth or with the tradition. It's not about connecting them with a place to serve or get involved. It's about connecting them with Jesus. Now, if we connect them with Jesus, then I think all of those other things will happen. But if we don't connect them with Jesus then none of those other things will ever matter. So what does a connecting love look like? Well, the most essential point is this one. A connecting love brings others to Jesus. You can hear Jesus. You can be near Jesus. You can even follow Jesus. But a connecting love brings others to Jesus. And there were a lot of people in the crowd that day. The disciples were there. Pharisees, teachers of the law were there. Townsfolk were there. But it was only one man's friends 
that brought anyone to Jesus. And it made all of the difference for that one man. It not only changed his life, he could walk again. It changed his eternity. It redefined his forever because his sins were forgiven. And when you bring even one person to Jesus, it can make all of the difference for that one person. It can change their eternity. And there are plenty of people who who want to see Jesus and hear what He has to say. There's plenty of people who want to be in the crowd when Jesus does something amazing. But there aren't so many who are willing to bring others to Jesus so that He can do something amazing in their lives. We want to be a church. And we need to be a people who bring others to Jesus. Extraordinary things happen when we do. But not only does does a connecting love bring others to Jesus, a connecting love overcomes barriers to connect people to Jesus. You see, it's one thing to bring people to Jesus when it's comfortable and convenient to do so. But what about when it's not? You see, there's usually a good reason why people are far away from Jesus. There's almost always obstacles to bringing them to their Creator and their Savior. And the question is, do we love Jesus? And do we love people enough to overcome those obstacles to bring them together? And thankfully, this paralyzed man had some friends that loved him enough to overcome significant barriers to bring him to Jesus. And I want to talk about some of those barriers and compare them to some barriers we might face. And the first barrier they faced, and maybe we wouldn't see this right away, but it was the man himself. He had wounds that made it hard for him to come to Jesus. He he had a disability that meant he couldn't come to Jesus on his own. He, He couldn't walk. He was confined to a mat. There's no way he could come to Jesus by himself. They had to carry him. And the truth is that anyone you might want to to bring to Jesus are going to have some wounds that make it hard for them to come. And only some of those wounds are physical. No doubt Jesus can heal. And I believe Jesus still does heal when it suits His greater purpose. But Jesus was never in the healing business. Why our text says in in, in verse 17, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. You see, Jesus wasn't always about healing. He never walked into a hospital and healed everyone there. There's a story in the Gospels. There was a pool in Jerusalem called the Pool of Bethesda. And legend had it that occasionally an angel would come and stir up the waters. and, And if you could get in the waters while they were stirred up, you would be healed of whatever infirmity you had. And so there were literally hundreds of people that were were gathered around this pool just waiting for that moment. And Jesus shows up. And and if you listen to some televangelists, you might think He went around and healed everybody around that pool. He didn't. He healed one person. Because His miracles were always a sign that pointed to something else. They were a sign that pointed to who He was. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. You should listen to what He says. His healing served a greater purpose. Both then and today, the deepest wounds that keep us from Jesus 
are not the wounds that we carry on the outside. It's the sickness that we carry in our hearts. And we, it, it, we call it many things. It goes by many names. Mistakes. Broken dreams. Wild oats. Abuse. Neglect. Fear. Depression. Guilt. We, we carry these wounds and we bear scars. And the thought of Jesus poking us where it hurts, it keeps a lot of people away. But if we want to experience His healing love, then we have to let Jesus touch us where it hurts. This is why the first wound that Jesus heals in this story is the one in His heart. He forgives His sin. If we want to overcome these wounds, we have to love people beyond their hurt and be willing to, to do whatever it takes to bring them to Jesus, even if we have to carry them. Now, for these, these friends of this man, it literally meant they had to carry him. For us, we might have to carry people in other ways. Maybe we watch a single kids or a single mom's kids for free so she can go to Bible study. Maybe we connect them with one of our Stephen ministers so they have someone they can talk to about their wounds. Maybe it's just the extra patience and grace that we extend to somebody as we love them. But we need to do whatever we can to carry their wounds so they can come to Jesus. Another barrier was a physical barrier. It was the roof. They had to dig through some ceiling tiles to get to Jesus. And, and I think these guys deserve an award for the most ingenious response to a sermon invitation ever. Now, I haven't talked to them, but I assume our buildings and grounds guys would prefer it if you used one of our four strategically placed doors to bring somebody. But hey, if you've got to cut through sheet metal to bring somebody to Jesus, then by all means, bring your cutting tools to church. Now, in all seriousness, sometimes it is just as simple as going the extra mile to overcome a simple physical barrier or two to bring someone to Jesus. Offer to pick them up and give them a ride. And I know some of you here give people rides to church. Thank you for that. Maybe it's a little change in your schedule so that you can meet with this other person over coffee, open your Bibles, and read and study together. Maybe it's just taking an extra five minutes to pray with somebody right where they are. Maybe it's volunteering one Sunday a month to help in junior worship so that this kid's parents can sit in church free from distraction and connect with Jesus. One Sunday a month. Now we've got a couple... Justin and Sarah, they're, they're doing junior worship like every other Sunday. And, and if even one couple stepped up and said, hey, we could do that once a month, that'd make a big difference, not just for them, but, but for the kids and for their parents and give them an opportunity to connect with Jesus. We don't want to let a physical barrier stand in the way. There was a third barrier, and it's the human barrier. The crowd. Now, Jesus is at the peak of His popularity at this, this time. 
Today we would say he's gone viral. Everybody wants to check him out and, and see what this rabbi they've heard so much about is all about. And they've come from all over. The text says every village in Galilee and Judea. Now let me give you a little bit of Bible geography here. But if you look on the Bible map, Galilee is at the northern end of the country and Judea is at the southern end. We're talking opposite ends of the country. People have come from all over to hear Jesus. The place was packed. Now, these people, they weren't trying to be barriers. It wasn't their intention to keep people from Jesus. They didn't go say, hey, let's go check out this Jesus and while we're there, we'll keep others from, from checking Him out too. They weren't being mean or malicious. They just wanted to be near Jesus themselves. But in so doing, they blocked others. I have to wonder, how often is the church like this? How often in, in our attempt to be near Jesus do we end up unintentionally blocking the way? I hate to think how many times churches actually kept people from getting to Jesus when they need Him the most. And we have to ask this question. Are we more like the crowd? Or are we more like the friends who brought Him to Jesus? We need to be the friends that are bringing people to Jesus, not the crowd that keeps people from Him. We need to be like the friends who, who were so desperate to get him to Jesus that they were willing to overcome any barrier. So how desperate are we to get people to Jesus? What lengths are we willing to go to to connect people with him? Extraordinary things happen when we overcome barriers. To Thirdly, a connecting love knows that only Jesus can fix us. Now, this man had some extraordinary friends. Friends who went above and beyond the call of duty to help him. And they wanted to help him. But there was nothing they could do to fix him. But thankfully, they know who could. And here's the deal. Each one of us has people in our lives, people that we would like to help, but people we don't really know how to help. People were like, if only I could do something to fix them. But there's nothing that we can really do to fix them, but you know who can. When it comes to connecting people with Jesus, we need to remember who it is that fixes people. It's not us. Nothing truly extraordinary happens without a true connection to Jesus. And I think too often the church has been in the business of, of thinking that, well, we need to fix people first, then they can come to Jesus. And it doesn't work that way. We've got the order backwards. It has been said that the church is a hospital for sinners, and that's true. But we're not the doctor. We're just the EMTs. We're, we're the nurses that, that help provide some care while they're here, but we're not the doctor. We've got a new ministry here at Sunrise, Stephen Ministry. We celebrated this about a month ago. But we've got several who've gone through 50 hours of training so they could 
come alongside and listen and encourage during life's toughest moments. And one of the things that Stephen ministers are taught, that as a Stephen minister, they are a caregiver, but you're not the caregiver, are you? And that's the difference. We're caregivers, but Jesus is the caregiver. He's the one that fixes people. A Stephen minister can't fix anybody. I, as the preacher, I can't fix anyone. But Jesus can. Years ago, there was a couple that started coming to, to the church I preached at. I may have told you part of their story before. I've got two or three good ones about Lauren and Chris. But when they first started coming, they had, they'd been living together for several months. She was divorced. She came out of an abusive relationship. He'd never been married. He played bass guitar in a heavy metal band that played all over the area. And he was covered head to toe in tattoos. Um, and nothing against tattoos, but a lot of these tats were things that, let's just say, were not appropriate for Sunday morning. And they had been coming about three weeks when a lady in the church, she comes up to me and she's really concerned and she says, do you know about that couple? What couple? She didn't even care enough about them to even know their names. And so we, we, we discussed it for a little bit and I finally said, oh, you mean Lauren and Chris? And she goes, yeah, them. What are you going to do about it? I decided to play dumb. Do about what? She leans in a whisper. You know they are living together, right? And I said, I'm not going to do anything about it. She's like, ah, what do you mean? I said, well, they're not even Christians. How do we expect them to live like Christians? And, and I, I said, first of all, our job is to love them and tell them about Jesus. It's Jesus' job to fix them. So let's do our job and let him do his job. A couple of months later, I had the honor of performing both their wedding and their baptism. So I, I got to marry them to each other and marry them to Jesus. That was a, a pretty awesome time. Throughout this series, you will hear a lot of emphasis on loving people in action. It doesn't matter how much we tell people about Jesus if we don't first love them like Jesus. However, we can never forget that it's not enough just to do good things for people if we don't ultimately connect them to Jesus. Only Jesus fixes us. People can be well fed. They can have a roof over their heads. They can have all of their physical needs met. But if they don't know Jesus, they are still lost. Do you understand that? George MacDonald writes, the world can do almost anything as well or better than the church. You don't need to be a Christian to build houses, feed the hungry, or heal the sick. There is only one thing the world cannot do. It cannot offer grace. We can't always fix people, but we know who can. And Jesus can do the most extraordinary things in people's lives. We can help, but only Jesus can fix. 
And that leads me to one final point, and that is this, that a connecting love knows that Jesus' forgiveness solves our deepest problem. This paralyzed man had friends that brought him to Jesus for one reason, and that was so that he might be healed physically. That was the only issue they were concerned about. That was what he thought was his biggest need. But he had a deeper And that problem was sin. And the most extraordinary thing that happens in this story isn't that this man walks away. It's that he walks away with his sins forgiven. Sin is at the root of all of our problems. Our mistakes, our failures, our foolish choices. It's sin that feeds all of that. The conflict, the hostility, the bitterness that exists between people, that's all fed by sin. The hurt that others have inflicted on us, the abuse and the victimization that has shaped some of our lives so much is all driven by sin. And I realize that sin sounds like such an old-fashioned, archaic word these days. But sin... In the New Testament, the word that is often translated as sin simply means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. Throw up the the next slide. I think I've got a lovely picture here that goes with this. There it is. Imagine a target. Somebody's got a bow and arrow. They draw that string back. They release the arrow. Not only does it not hit the bullseye, it misses the whole thing. That's why I have arrows in my backyard that are buried in the grass, and they will never be found again. It's amazing how deep a arrow can get buried in the ground. In this case, the mark that we have missed is God's perfect character. Because the Scriptures tell us that He is righteous and just, in all that He says and does. This is what the Bible calls His holiness. And whenever we don't measure up to the holy nature of God, that is sin. And when He's perfectly holy, it's pretty easy not to measure up. We miss the mark all the time. This is why Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's this falling short that ultimately, this is what disconnects us from God. This is what keeps us far away from our Creator. And only by connecting someone to Jesus can this sin problem be overcome. You can't take a pill for it. There's no therapist that can counsel you through it. There's no self-help book that you can read to, to guide you through this sin problem. You can't undo it by your own hard work or determination. You can't be good enough or do enough good things to erase it because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus is the only one who can take away your sin and erase your guilt. All the king's horses and all the king's men can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but Jesus can take the broken pieces of your life And He can mend them and put you back together again. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the price for your sin so that He could tell you the same thing that He told the man in this story. Your sins are forgiven you. 
I don't think the crowd even realized what the most extraordinary thing was they saw that day. That this man went home, a forgiven man. But an extraordinary thing happens whenever we can connect people to the hope and the healing of Jesus and they find there the forgiveness of sin. It's not unusual for people to come to Jesus for one problem only to discover that their issue is not really their issue. A lady comes to Jesus because her marriage is in trouble. And she hopes that that He might help her rekindle something with someone that she used to love. A young man comes to Jesus in the throes of addiction and he hopes that Jesus will help him throw off the shackles of something that now has him thoroughly in its control. A businessman comes to Jesus hoping to tame a terrible temper that has driven away clients and family alike. A teenage girl comes to Jesus hoping to fill a hole left by a father that was never the daddy he should have been. And Jesus loves each one of them right where they hurt. But each one also discovers that their their problem isn't really their real problem. And Jesus loves each one of them at the deepest level of their being. And He slowly peels back the layers so He can connect with them in their heart of hearts. You see, Jesus is the solution. He's the answer to the questions that we don't even know enough to ask yet. I don't know why you're here this morning. People come to church for all sorts of reasons. Maybe you're here because your parents made you. Maybe you came so your wife won't fuss at you. Maybe you came to set a good example for your children. I'd like to think you're here because you love God with all of your heart and you love His people and there's no other place you would rather be. But maybe you're here because you've got a problem and you're hoping to find an answer. And you think, well, maybe church can help. Maybe God can help. Maybe you're just looking for the strength to get through another week. Maybe you're here because you don't know what, but you know you need something. Regardless of what circumstances in your life brought you through these doors this morning, I think there's a deeper reason why you're here. You see, there is the reason why you're here, and then there is God's reason why you're here. And Jesus wants to connect with you at the deepest level of your heart. And as we bring this sermon to a close, my invitation to you is to let God peel back those layers in your heart and let Jesus connect with you at your deepest level where He really wants to connect. If you need to connect with God in prayer, we have a prayer bench back here. Some of our leaders will be back here to to pray with you. Maybe if you're you're looking for a church home, a place where you can connect with, with God every week and connect with His people, we would love to have you as a part of the Sunrise family. If you're a baptized believer, we we would like to welcome you as one of our brothers and sisters. And if If you would like to make that decision, I'm going to be right through these doors. 
Maybe you want to connect with Jesus just like we saw here this morning in the waters of baptism. To call on Jesus' name to be your Lord and Savior. To seek the forgiveness that is only available in Him. Because Jesus can heal you at your most deepest level. And if that's a decision you're ready to make, come talk to me back here. Talk to one of our leaders back here. We'd love to walk with you through that. Would you please stand as we sing together?